Throughout the last few weeks, I've been just praying about tonight and thinking about sort of what the title of tonight's message is going to be. And it's, it's kind of interesting because, and I'll just kind of tell you how I work. Um, man, I, I'm just, I have no interest in just coming up and, and talking about something and, and, and whatever. Like, I really want it to be something that God's laid on my heart. And so sometimes, you know, and most of the time I just pray. I'm like, God, until you speak, until you tell me what you want me to talk about for this particular time and this particular night, until you give me the passage and the direction, um, like, I'm just, uh, just going to wait and be patient. And, uh, and sometimes the Lord gives it to me weeks before and months before, and sometimes it's, it's hours before or a day or two before. But the interesting thing is, is that as the Lord has been giving me what to talk about for tonight, uh, I just haven't been able to like just, just lock down a title for the message. And I think that what Heather said was so appropriate tonight, and it was just like glaring to me that tonight the title of the message is going to be Awake. Awake. See, here's the reality is we're, we're going to be starting this new series tonight, and it's going to be called Lifeline. And the whole point of this series is this. If you were told that you had 30 days left to live, what would you do? How would your life be different? See, what happens is this, is that in our lives, sometimes what we do is we crowd our lives with so many insignificant things that we never really understand, we never really know, we never really lock down what the priorities are, what the important things are, what the things are that God would have us to do in our lives. And so we get so wrapped up in all these insignificant things that we just, we push all the important stuff aside. But this is what I know. If you were told tomorrow that you had 30 days to live, all of a sudden, all of the things in your life that are a priority will rise to the top. You know, they say that a football game is one in seven minutes. That if the offense of a football game can control the ball for seven minutes of the entire football game, then that offense will lead their team to victory almost every single time. And you say, well, hold on a second, man. I've seen plenty of football games. Like, football games are not seven minutes long. Football games are like three hours long. Like, there's no way that that is possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Football games are three hours long. But you've got to take into consideration that there's huddles before every play. There are timeouts. There are reviews that the referees have to go over to the booth and review. There are things that go on in between the play like chest bumps and touchdown dances and good game pats. You know what I'm saying? And the actual playtime, the actual from the time the ball is snapped until the end of the play in a football game is actually pretty small. In fact, studies show that if your offense can control it for seven minutes, you will win the game most of the time. And here's the reality. Your life is full of so many things that don't really mean that much. And you have only a small window to make an impact. You have only a small amount of time to make an impact. Let me show you. Let me show you what I mean by this. Let me see if I can. Here we go. Let me show you what I mean by this. In the United States, does anybody know what the life expectancy is in the United States? Anybody want to throw a stab at it? 75, 73, 70. As of 2011, the life expectancy in the United States is... 78, we are going to 
We are going to have to work on something here because uh, I don't have an eraser. Is there? Nope. All right, so anyways, 78 years is the average life expectancy in the United States. We know through studies that we spend literally one-third of our life sleeping. And one-third of our life is 26 years, which leaves us with 52 years. I don't want to show you all my underwear. There we go. Oh, you are the man. I knew, I, knew, I knew you were feeling me. I knew you were feeling me. Y'all give it up for y'all, Shannon. Yes, y'all give it up for Shannon. So that leaves us with 52 years. After you add up all the time that you were sleeping, a third of your life is devoted to sleeping, you have 52 years of your life left. If you go to school through high school, that is a total of over three years or more in the classroom. If you go to college, that is an extra year. And if you do homework which some of you may not, but if you do homework, then that is an extra year for a total of five years, which leaves you your life with 47 years. 47 years. If you get a job that is eight hours a day, which most jobs are for five days a week, until you are 65 years old, which is the average day of retirement. And if you take that time and you add it up from when you left college until you finished your job, the total time in your life, if you add it all together, that you would spend working is 11 years, which leads you with 36 years. Let's say on average, people spend 20 minutes a day on the toilet, which for some of you, that's more. For some of you, that's more. But let's just be conservative. Uh, Then over the course of 78 years, you have spent 13 months total on the toilet or at least a year on the toilet. So we're, we're down to 35 years. That's what you have left. If the average person eats three meals a day, plus whatever munchies that they eat between the meals, this gives the rough estimate of just eating six years of your life, which brings us down to 29 years. All we've done is went to school, went to work, we've ate, we've, went up, we've been on the toilet. <laughs> on average, people spend four years doing housework. And this number tends to increase for, for women. Duh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My wife's like, <laughs> where's she at? I love you, baby. I'm sorry. Uh, it's four years of your life doing housework. The average person spends four years of their life doing housework. 25. 25 years of your life is left. We roughly spend one year of our life looking for lost possessions. Anybody here lose stuff a lot? Well, you got 24 years plus or less. According to an online survey taken by the AVF forums, people go to the cinema or to the movie theater on average three times per year. Anybody go more than three times per year to the movie theater? A lot of you. But if you only went three times per year, which included time you take buying popcorn and finding a seat, you roughly spend two and a quarter years of your life going to the movie theater. So let's just be conservative, make it two years, and call it, you got 22 years of your life left. 
Showering, brushing your teeth, and putting on clothes takes up four and a half years of your life. Let's be conservative and just say four. That leaves you with 18 years of your life left. That's just showering, brushing your teeth, and getting ready. And by the way, that is based on a 45-minute to one-hour getting ready time. If it takes you longer than an hour to get ready, then that means that you are adding even more of your life to that. Going on. The average person spends 540 hours in a car per year. If you start driving when you were 16 and live till you were 78, then that is almost four years of your life spent in a car. That's not counting the time that you spent with your parents driving you around from 1 to 16. So let's be conservative and just say four years of your life. And so you were down to 14 years of your life that you have left to do something significant. 14 years. The average person watches, listen, four hours of TV a day, which translates into over 13 years of your life watching TV on average in a lifetime. Which leads us to one year. To one year. Just to put it in perspective for you, on average, a baby has to be changed eight times a day. And at five minutes per change, if you have three kids, I'm read this. They're potty trained by the age of two years old, which some kids are not. You have spent 40.5 days total changing diapers in your lifetime. This does not count playing video games. This does not count going to the gym. This does not count playing sports or hobbies. This does not count going shopping. This does not count entertainment. This does not count going to the doctor or the dentist, etc. This does not count arguing for you married couples. This does not count for any of that kind of stuff. And you got one year. One year. See, when you look at the total scope of your life, the time that you really have to make a difference isn't all that much. And that's if you live to be 78 years old. See, the reality is stuff happens and sometimes people don't make it that far. But the point is, is that that's if you live to full life expectancy. See, I think that's why awake is so appropriate. Because the Bible tells us that our life is short. I mean, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for the sermon today. Dude, I'm 30 years old. I am, on, I am over a third of my life finished. And that's if I make it to full life expectancy. I mean, I feel like I just got started. And all of a sudden, you wake up and you're 40, and you wake up, and you're 50, and you wake up, and you're 60, and you wake up, and you're 70, and then you don't wake up. Happens to all us all. And the Bible tells us how short life is. In fact, if you got your little note guides on your, on your, your, uh, your, your chairs there, I have a few scriptures that I put down of just in the scriptures, and I'll give you just a few off the top. Um, the Bible tells us that a man's days are swifter than a runner in Job 9.25. In Job 9.26, it tells us that they are like a swift ship or that they are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And we're fur further reminded of the shortness of life by the comparison 
of which life is spoken about in the Word of God. And if you've got that piece of paper there, I wrote some of the scriptures down on there for you. But in Job 14, 2, it says this. And they spring up like flowers and wither away. Like fleeting shadows, they do not endure. He says, listen, this is what your life is like. Your life is like a flower that, that blooms to full bloom and then withers by the end of the day. And then he goes on in James 4, 14. And James tells us, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. When the Bible talks about time and it talks about your life and it talks about, about who you are, it says, listen, man, you need to wake up. You need to take advantage of every single moment in your life because, listen, your life matters. And your life matters big. It matters to your friends and the people you have relationships with. And your life matters to God because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. But you know what? Your life is short. James 4 tells us that your life is but a vapor. It is a mist. It was, it was here and then it was gone. It was here and it was gone. And then in 1 Peter 24, 1.24, it says this. All people, talking about us, are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. And you're like the grass. You're like the flowers. The scriptures teach us that literally the Bible says that you are like the dew on the ground that is here in the morning and gone in the morning. So let's say, for instance, and let's just say to be conservative, that you have one year total of your life to make an impact, to make a difference, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. See, this is what's cool, and this is what the Scripture teaches us, that not only does your life matter, but your life is a gift. And not only is your life the gift, but your life does not end when you take your last breath here. See, the reality is, and the scripture teaches us, that Jesus came in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but listen, but will have everlasting life. Everlasting life. See, the reality is my heart is gonna stop beating one day. Your heart is gonna stop beating one day. We're gonna take our last breath here, but this is what I know. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with him, when your heart takes its last beat here, when you take your last breath here, when you exhale that last breath here, you are inhaling your first breath with him in heaven. And so what that means is this, is that it means that every day that you spend here on this earth counts for what happens in eternity. And I'm here to tell you, man, since I, was, since I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old, right before my senior year of high school, I have just committed my life to letting everybody I could possibly know about the joy and about the grace of God and all that comes through what Jesus Christ has done for us so that we can have a relationship with Him, so that we could be with Him one day. And I want every single person to know that. And I realize that my life is filled with so many insignificant things. I mean, I have to sleep, and I have to eat, and I have to do all of these things that don't mean anything and I only have one year of my life one year of total time to really make a difference to really share my faith to really get out the message of Jesus guys you need to wake up you need to wake up when I gave my life to Christ right before my senior year of high school I had one year 
to tell my best friends, my boys, the guys that I'd played ball with my entire life, the guys that I loved, the guys that I, that I was so close. So I had one year to tell them about Jesus. I had one year for them to understand what that, what that grace meant. One year. And sadly, many of them They're not in church. They have broken families. They have kids and several different relationships. You can find them most of the time, as I was talking to someone yesterday about, sometimes I go home for Christmas, and I'll go with my brother and some friends to a restaurant, and you'll look up at the bar, and there will be one of my best friends that I used to play baseball with every year sitting at the bar, 30 years old, Life is going nowhere. It's like, man, if you had only listened, if you had only grabbed a hold of that grace, see, here's the deal. This is what I know about teenagers because I was one. See, this is how I approach life. I thought, man, I've got all the time in the world to get my life right with God. I've got all the time in the world to do this and to do that. Man, when I, have, when I get married one day, that's when I'll get that stuff right with God. When I have kids one day, that's when I really get committed to church, man. When I get, when I, when, man, I'm really going to just, man, Jesus, I'm going to fall in love with you later. But, dude, video games are so fun, man. I just want to get on that. I just want to play. Like, I mean, I know that's insignificant. I know I'm wasting my time there. But, God, I'll, I'll give you my time later. Man, you know, I got, I got so much other stuff going on over here. And, and what happens is, is that, we just don't even think about the things that are priorities in our life. But let me tell you something. If you knew that you had 30 days to live, all of a sudden video games become insignificant. Sports become insignificant. The priorities rise to the top. When I was a youth pastor in my first church, I've been a youth pastor about two years. Two doors down from me was this kid named Adrian. <laughs> Adrian was a loner. He was a gothic kid, wore all black. And I would see him out in the yard every once in a while as he would come home from school. And so I would just start inviting him to, to youth group. I'm like, man, I'm the youth pastor at this church, and dude, you should come, and all this kind of stuff. And every week, Adrian would be like, yeah, man, maybe sometime or whatever. But what he really meant was, dude, not a chance in the world. He lived with his grandmother. His home situation was terrible. His dad left him when he was young. He'd never met his dad in his life. His mother was a deadbeat. Was strung out on drugs all the time, so he lived with his grandmother. So I just stopped by the house one day. I was like, hey, dude, I'm leaving here in a little bit to go to youth group, man. Would you, would you like to go with me? He said, yeah, 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 I'll go, I'll go. So he gets in my car, and <clears throat> we drive to youth group, and we get to youth group, and, you know, he sits there, and we, we're in the service and all this kind of stuff, and, and he actually liked it, and he's kind of a loner, so, like, he didn't really, you know, he didn't really have that many friends or whatever, and, and, uh, but, but, man, our youth group was just so accepting, and they just, like, loved on him and, and, and just accepted him and just pulled him right in, and, and it just made such an impact on him. The next week, he was like, hey, bro, you mind if I come back next week? And this ended up happening over a few weeks, and eventually, uh, after about two or three weeks of Adrian coming, I shared the gospel, and, and Adrian prayed to receive Christ in one of our youth services. I got chills thinking about it right now, and it was awesome. Yes, that's right. And we were celebrating. Everybody was pumped. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So a couple weeks later, Adrian was, uh, was uh, just had, had some, his leg was bothering him, and so he went to the doctor, and they found a tumor in his leg. 
Come to find out it was cancerous, and cancer had, had spread to other areas of his body. He went in for chemo, and, and uh, he went through a year of chemo. And he got to the end of, of that chemo. And man, we've been praying for Adrian. We've been just praying that God would just, just heal Adrian. And, and he got to that year of chemo, and, and the doctor said, he's clean, he's, he's done. And we are like, yeah. And so, I mean, we're pumped up, and we're praising God. And Adrian comes to the youth group, and we're jumping around, and we're surrounding him. And, and we had been praying for him through the year because when, if he wasn't too sick from the chemo, I would still <clears throat> bring him to the youth group on, on the nights of and. And so uh, the doctors told him, man, we need to go in and remove some of the spots that have, that have, that have been, uh, you know, the chemo was taking care of on the lungs and all that stuff. And so they cut Adrian open, and when they went in there, they found that some live cells on his lungs. And uh, so they sewed him back up, and they told him, hey, man, we're going to have to start some more treatment with you. And he was devastated. A week later, he was a little short of breath, went into the doctor's office, and they said, you got a best two weeks. And I'm just going to tell you, man, it was... It was a defining moment in my life and in my ministry because, man, I love that dude. And, the, and the, only, the only hope that I had and the only thing that just brought me peace was knowing that he loved Jesus and that, that, that this wasn't the end for him. And I remember going in the day before he died. He was sitting in his hospital bed. And uh, two weeks later, it was actually about a week and a half later, I went into his room, and we just had this conversation just like if I was just having a conversation with you right now. The very next day, I went in there after church, and he was fighting for every breath. And uh, while I was at the hospital, he breathed his last. And it just showed me, and it just taught me, and it just has stuck with me that, man, we just don't know. We don't know when our last day is. We don't know when our last year is. We don't know. And likewise, you don't know when your best friend's last day is, when your mother's last day is, when your daddy's last day is, when your brother's last day is. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm just going to be transparent with you, my brother doesn't know Christ. And if my brother was to breathe his last today, I would never see him again. And that's not cool with me. So I want to challenge you. These next three weeks, I promise you, are going to be the most defining weeks and hopefully point history. Next week, I'm going to challenge you guys with something that is so passionate, and I just feel like that if I had 30 days left, it is what I would say. It is what, it is what I would want you to know, and I feel like it is how we would live. And next week, I'm going to talk about <coughs> reaching your friends, and I'm telling you, you need to be here next week. Don't miss next week because it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to put some things in perspective for you. And we're going to talk about that because here's the reality. If you know you got three weeks left because you only got four weeks right now, if you know you got three weeks left, you are going to go and tell everybody that you can about Jesus. And then on the next week, January the 19th, we're going to have a special service that night. I'm going to share the gospel that night, and I want you to bring everybody that you know that doesn't know Christ to this place. And you know what? I'm going to give you some incentive not incentive for you to invite them or incentive for you to share with them because you should do that because you love them more than anything in the world and you don't want to see them die and go to hell. But I'm going to give you some incentive to help them come. We're going to give out an iPad 2 on January the 19th. 
And this is how it's going to work. Every student that comes that night will get a ticket. And we're going to draw from that ticket a name or a number. And whoever's number we draw will win that iPad too. But here's the deal. Every person who comes will get one ticket. Every student who brings a friend, for every friend you bring, you're going to get an extra ticket with that. So if you bring five friends, you're going to get five tickets plus your one ticket. You're going to get six tickets, which increase your chances of winning. And whoever brings the most people that night, we're going to give we're going to pay their way to collision. Because I'm, I'm all about us reaching our friends. And then on January the 26th, we've got this amazing night. On that night, we're going to have what we call a share life night. Because when you are in the last hours of your life, you want to spend time with the people that you love the most. And our small groups are going to, every small group is going to get $50 to go and do something, to hang out together. And here's the idea. Everyone that comes on that night, on January the 19th, everyone that comes, every new person that comes, we want you to then invite them to the Share Life Night so that you and your small group on that Thursday night will meet wherever. Y'all will go hang out. Y'all will go and do something fun together and build relationships with one another so that you can grow together as a group and grow together as a team. Because I know that within your groups, if there's no trust, if there's no relationship, deep spiritual growth is never going to happen in your life. And so we're going to do that on the 26th. And then on February the 9th, it's going to be amazing because we're going to celebrate what God does on January the 19th by having a baptism night. We're going to baptize all those people in here on February 9th who gave their life to Christ on January the 19th. And we are going to have the biggest party celebration that night that this world has ever seen up in the point. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be awesome because that's what we're about. And if you're here, if you're here tonight, and you're like, man, I don't take my life seriously. I, I've been so bogged down with the insignificant that, dude, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even tell you the last significant thing that I did. Maybe you're here and you are a Christian. And you're like, man, I've been going to church my whole life. Maybe you're not a Christian and you think you are because you've been going to church your whole life. Let me tell you, and you've just been being apathetic and complacent and whatever, and I don't care. Later on, I will get that right. This, this author says it this way, and I love this. He says, listen, the opposite of love is not hate. Because hate can be quickly changed to love. The opposite of love is apathy. Who cares? Whatever. And I want to challenge you to awake and go after it. On your sheet of paper right there that you have in front of you, I've put some questions on there. These are some questions for you to think about, for you to ponder, and for you to write down, and for you to, to deal with tonight when you're in your groups. And I want you to go ahead right now, grab a pen. There's some pens laying around your seat on the floor. And I want you to write this stuff down right now as we are in this, in this room together. The first thing, the question I want to ask you is this. I want you to write down what are the top three things that you, you, would, you would do if you knew you only had 30 days left to live. Now, these top three things, maybe I'd go skydiving, I would, you know, go base jumping, I would, you know, um, go swim with the dolphins, or get my fingernails painted, I don't know, whatever you may want to do, but whatever your top three things is, I want you to write them there. And then the second question is this, what are three things you would change in your life, what are three things that you would change, that you would change about how you live your life? What are the three things that you would change? What are the, how would your life change? How would you change the way you live if you knew you only had 30 days left? And I want you to write those down. 
And then the last question I want to ask you is this, is that who would you spend the most time with? And I want you to ponder that, who you would spend the most time with. Maybe that's family, maybe that's friends, maybe that's whoever. And I want you to identify people in your life that you know that need to know Christ. And I want you to invite them on January the 19th. Invite them here next week. So here's the challenge. The challenge over this series is this. Your life is short. You've got one year, maybe, to really make an impact. Are you going to do it? Are you going to wake up? Because I'm here to tell you, man, if a group this size, if you guys got really pumped up and you guys went after it, like I'm telling you right now, Gwinnett County better watch out. And we, we, would have to, we would have to go over in the sanctuary over, or what it, the, wor- the big worship center there because we wouldn't be able to fit in this room because so many people would come to know Christ. If this group right here said, you know what, I'm going to wake up. I want my life to make a difference. I want to get rid of the insignificant and I want to focus on the significant. And I want to take this one year of my life that I have every second of it and I'm going to fulfill the game plan. My seven minutes in the football game, I'm going to run my offense and I'm going to dominate the game with my seven minutes and I'm going to win and I'm going to make a difference. That's the challenge tonight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. And I thank you, Lord, for this time of worship that we're about to go into. And I just think about this song, How He Loves. And you love us so much. And I think of the students that are in here right now. Man, maybe tonight... <clears throat> They can relate to Adrian. They feel like maybe they're even insignificant, that they're a loner, that they feel like no one likes them. In fact, if, if, if they had it their way, they would probably just end it right now. God, I pray that every single person in here that may be thinking that or feeling that way would know that you love them more than anything in the world and that you have a purpose and a plan for their life. And then throughout Scripture, we see you taking the insignificant things, the insignificant people, the, as Acts tells us, the ordinary, uneducated men. And you do great, amazing, wonderful things with them. Father, I just pray that you would help us to awake to what you would have for us, that we would live every single day with significance because our life matters And it matters to those around us, and it matters to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.